morning, everybody. Welcome to Lydia House. If you're just coming in the back, go ahead and have a seat. If you are somewhere in your own house, you could have a seat too, if you want to. Um, welcome to Lydia House, everybody who's joining us, or if you're joining us later on, you're also welcome. And just a reminder, if you are in the basement there, uh, please get a mask on for everybody's protection and in order to obey the law. Giving, giving is good. We encourage and appreciate your giving. Uh, we're gonna give you a financial update soon. We're still working on our end of the year books, but as soon as we get that, we'll give you guys an update for what's going on. What happens to the money that you give and where does that go and that sort of thing. And we're gonna talk about that in a few weeks. Whenever we get it finished, we will let you know. And uh, just a reminder that if you are joining us by Zoom you and your video is on, your video might be recorded at some point. Um, if you get on the screen here and your mic also might be recorded. So if you don't want to be heard, you can mute yourself. And or, you know, we might overhear a funny family conversation, which that could enrich everybody's day. So that could be fine. But just to let you know about that. And uh, we're going to go into some time of prayer now. And Paul, why don't you start out with the uh, announcement of our, about our friend, Robert, who yeah. some of you will remember Robert Walter. He shared, he uh, preached at Lydia House just over a year ago uh, in the fall. Paul, do you want to say anything about that? Robert was a very good friend of mine and a very good friend of the Alliance of Renewal Churches that we're a part of and a friend around the world. He was a world traveler and a world speaker. Spent much of his time overseas training thousands, literally, literally thousands of nationals he would meet with. So gifted, so relational, such a friend. Died of leukemia a few days ago. And it's an incredible sadness to us. We're just we're we're uh, we're gonna miss him greatly because he was such an asset to us and to the body of Christ. So I'm uh, very sad to have to announce that Karen and I called his wife Velia and cried on the phone with her and, uh, when he died of leukemia. I have a couple of other things quickly to announce. I wrote something called Building Christian Character and. Uh, I'm not giving these away because they didn't sell. They actually sell, sold very well with Bethany Fellowship. He's, they said phenomenally for a workbook. But I've got a lot of extra ones. And so if any of you could use these in your personal study or with other people, small groups, uh, it's been used for a lot of different ways, Sunday school and teaching. It's got a teacher's guide. So... You let me know how many you need for whatever you're doing, and I'd be glad to make them available to you. Today, you could, you could grab them here. There's also a book from, of Larry's right there. So that's it. So do you want me to pray for our nation uh, now? Yeah, please, please. Okay. <clears throat> you know, if, if anyone had said... You're coming into a year, 2020, when national sports will shut down, when churches will shut down, when families will shut down, when businesses will shut down. If that had been prophesied, we would have said, that guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
if they had prophesied what has actually happened, we, we just spent an incredibly difficult year. Now we're in 2021, and it's still difficult. And so we need to pray for one another to support one another during this time. For some people are doing fine. I know your business is doing great. Uh, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, we've been blessed. Yeah. And uh, so some people are doing great, but others are doing poorly. So we need to pray for that as we pray for our leaders. This is a tough time to lead. What do you do? How do you lead in a time of a pandemic and when people, so many people are struggling. So let's lift this up before the Lord. The Bible says to pray for kings and all who are in authority. That includes civic, state, governmental leaders. And so we pray. We pray for our local leaders here in the Twin Cities. We pray for our governor. We pray for our president. We pray for our Senate and House of Representatives. We pray for those who lead us. We pray, O oh God, that you will grant wisdom to leaders at a time when it's very difficult to know what is best for the people. We pray that we will come through this and out of the rubble will come revival. I pray that you will use the great sadness and sorrow that people have experienced and use it to turn hearts toward you. From, from the president on down, from, from uh, at every level of government and life, that you will speak to people in deep and incredible ways these days. And the purpose is so that your people, we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's just stay in an attitude of prayer as we prepare our hearts for worship. Uh, first, Lord, we want to bring to you anything that we need to confess, anything we've done or left undone over the past week. Let's take a moment now just to confess to the Lord silently. And we thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, mm. and we receive that in Jesus' name. And we thank you also for the many other things that you do for us in our lives. We thank you for this weather, and we thank you for... Okay, uh, people are laughing, Nate. Uh, well, that's kind of my point. Was that supposed to be funny? Think about this. Sarah was just educating the kids this morning, you know. Salt. Think about how it's so cold outside that we have ice on the inside of our windows. Isn't it wonderful we have a house? You know, there's a lot to be thankful for. Uh, the other night I was thinking about people who are homeless right now. Oh. How difficult might that must that oh. be? So we have a lot to be thankful for, Father. Yeah. And we do pray for those whose housing situation isn't good right now. Maybe they don't have heat or it's so poorly heated that they're really cold right now. We pray for those who are not even inside and are trying to get by in a sleeping bag or something. We pray for your 
protection for those folks. And we pray that they can find their way to a shelter or some other place where they can get out of this cold. And we thank you that as far as I know, everybody who's watching is has a home, has a place that they can sleep yes. that's warm. Yes. And we praise you for that this time of year, Lord, and help us not to forget those who are not as fortunate as us. And as we prepare to go into worship now, Lord, we just set aside mm. all the things that might be weighing heavily on our heart or on our mind, mm -hmm. including our concern for other people. We just want to temporarily set that down as we just focus on you, Lord. We ask you to speak to us as we open our hearts and minds to you. We ask you to help us to praise you and to lift up your name this morning. In Jesus' name, thank Jesus you, Lord. Name. Let's Amen. worship. Okay. Well, I want you guys to know that it was cold enough that John staged back here. He put on his sweatshirt, so he, he got a sweatshirt on. So it must be really cold out there. I went out and helped start a car this morning from one of the guys who lives here. Um, I'm glad I have a starter. And I just saw Byron. Are you back there, Byron? Was he staying, Naomi? Did he? If he's staying, somebody give him a drum. We gotta. Maybe he's got one with him if he's coming in. Okay, this song, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory. Look at the words now. Say it with me. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming, coming of, the, of Lord. the Lord. He is, is trampling, trampling out, out the vintage where the. What is that about? What? This is a, this is a song written by the Union what, many, 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 many years ago. And uh, it was a song that spoke about judgment. We sing it because there are biblical words. It's coming right out of Revelation, Revelation 19 and I think 14. So uh, understand that God is a God of mercy and a God of judgment. And sometimes he brings judgment to uh, bring mercy, but... The Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Hey, you got a box? You, you can't be here without hitting a box. <laughs> no, Karen, there's one upstairs in the living room. There's one in the living room. If you feel comfortable going up in the living room. And, uh, uh, we'd love to see you beaten with us, Byron. You, you belong there. Okay, come with me now. Ready? My eyes have seen. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah, his truth is marching on. I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have built him an altar in the evening dews and damp. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and daring lamp. His truth is marching on. Glory. Oh. 
has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet, while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching Yes, Lord. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Rod, but I don't see Sajiko. Is she? She's with the twins. She what? She's with the twins. Oh. Oh, oh, yeah. And we knew that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. She loves it. She's pretty smart. It's warm. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord. Your name is great, Lord. We worship, 
Bless your people, O God. Bless our country. Bless our leaders. As we bless you, pour your blessing down upon us. We open our hearts to receive your love today. Through one another, through your word preached, through fellowship together. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The next two are... are really old. They're, I only do contemporary songs, but these are contemporary to me, so that puts them way back there. And I, I remember singing them with, you know, 1,500 people, and now we sing it with 12 or 15 people. Or more on the Zoom. Bless the Lord, Lord oh my soul. Oh my soul, bless, bless the Lord. Lord. Instead of bless the Lord, love the Lord. Love the Lord. Oh my soul. Oh my soul. Love, love the Lord. Lord. Oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Serve. I am to sing this one. For you are Lord. You are Lord and you are Lord. Yes, Lord. We say you are Lord. You, you are risen from the dead.
we're going to sing it to one another. For he is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He's Lord. He's my Lord. He, he is Lord. He is risen from the dead. He, he is risen from it's true. the dead. Hallelujah. And Thank he you, is Lord. Say to yourself, just say it, you can say it out loud, different ones of us would just say it. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. That means I bow to you. I surrender myself. I surrender my ideas. I surrender my prejudices. I surrender my anxieties. I surrender my future. I surrender my destiny. I surrender my plans. I surrender my hopes to you because you are my Lord. That means I bow before you. You have your way in my life. I don't want my way. I want your way in my life. And I love saying that you are my Lord yes. because that takes care of everything. Thank you. It takes care of my sister now who is close to death. It takes care of friends who are struggling. I think of a relative struggling with leukemia. You've got her. Yes. You've got our country. Lord. You've got our finances. You've got our situation well in your hand. You are Lord. Just say to somebody near you, he's, you're, he's my Lord. He's my he Lord. Is my Lord. Yes. Okay, take it away, Nate. Uh, first off, I want to pray for um, anybody who needs healing. So if you need healing, just hold up your hands to the Lord. And I want to pray for you. That includes myself. Sarah's still getting over a thumb injury. And my back has been really bad the last couple weeks. And anybody else who's out there, we pray for you as well. We thank you, Lord, for your healing. We thank you that on your way to the cross, you were wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And by your wounds, we are healed. We thank you for that. And so I speak healing in Jesus' name. Be healed. Anybody who needs healing physically, mentally, emotionally, in Jesus' name. Amen. We also want to recognize a birthday in the house. Someone in that house there in the basement. Who had a birthday recently? Anybody? I don't see any hand. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, uh, oh, Naomi. Did you have a birthday? You did. All right. Well, I think we should sing the traditional birthday song. Can I have song. sound here? Happy birthday to Naomi. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Naomi. 
Happy birthday, sweetie. All right, you may be seated. My family wanted to say happy birthday to you too, Naomi. So it's warming up. Uh, I checked the temp and the uh, wind chill was all the way up to like negative 27. So it's getting better. We still postponed our cross country hike. Um, gonna wait till tomorrow when it's up to maybe negative 20 wind chill for that. So last few weeks, um, we were talking about prayer, specifically spiritual warfare kind of prayer intercession and today we're going to talk a little more about that the primary weapon we use in spiritual warfare anybody know what that is people in my house are eager to answer um yes the sword of the spirit is the primary weapon that the bible talks about uh that we use in terms of prayer in terms of spiritual warfare and so i am going to show you something i've always wanted to do this okay flourish uh, those are, these are swords, sword of the spirit. That's our primary weapon. So I'm not going to get into a long discussion of why I have this many swords. Um, you're either the kind of man who has a number of swords or you're not. And that's, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about these swords. So this is a replica of a U.S. cavalry sword. So U.S. Cavalry Sword, this is uh, about average length, maybe a little bit long, an inch or two long for the swords of that day. It's a little bit curved, and it's got pretty much an edged tip as opposed to a two-edged tip. And it was also a little heavy uh, for swords of that day. And that was because cavalry members primarily used their sword from, where do you think? Horse. Horseback. That's right. So if you're... Uh, fortunate enough to be atop your horse by the time you reach the enemy, you're reaching down from one side and slashing. So it has to be heavy enough to do some damage, but light enough that you can swing it with one arm. So this is a one-arm sword. Notice, can you see around the hilt here? There's a hand guard. So, I mean, you couldn't make this a two-handed sword even if you wanted to. Uh, the hand guard is nice so that if you are in melee combat with somebody else, they would hit this piece of metal instead of hitting your fingers, which would be preferable. The scabbard is also metal, so that could be used as a weapon or maybe a defensive weapon if you needed to. So that is a cavalry sword. Trying to fit all these on one table here. This is why this one's not sharp, because it's cheap. When we were in Japan, I wanted to get a nice, nice uh, Japanese katana, but they were so expensive. And I'm like, uh, so I just hesitated. And now, of course, I wish I had done so. But I do have this really cheap one. <laughs> so this is a, a version of a Japanese katana. Again, sharpened only on one side. It goes to an edge. I don't know if you can see that. So it doesn't have two edges. It only has an uh, edge on one side. Comes to a nice point at the end. This one is much lighter. So this one is built for speed more than it's built for power. And again, an edge only on one side. So you have to turn it towards your opponent each time, as opposed to being able to go like this back and forth. This is a broadsword. Um, I'm gonna walk up to the front. It's called the Sword of Solomon, but it's not really historically accurate. It's kind of a fanciful artistic rendering. 
So you see the Star of David there, and there's the Ark of the Covenant on it. So it's trying to make it like if Solomon had a European-looking broadsword, this is what it would be. Um, this is my ordination sword. This is the sword that was used when I was ordained. Now, you might be asking, I've never heard of a sword in a pastoral ordination service. Well, you probably haven't, unless you were at mine. Um, I was. You were. In fact, and you, in fact, Paul, were the one who used this sword when I was ordained and kind of did a knighting sort of ceremony during my ordination, which is something I asked for. And Paul was long suffering and was willing to do that. So this is the sentimental sword. Uh, and that one's not sharp. What's that? You still have the scars on your shoulders. Yes, I do. I still have the marks to remind me. This last one I'm going to be more careful with because this one is sharp. It's also the biggest and the heaviest. So this is an ancient Scottish claymore. It's a broadsword. It is very big. It is even heavier than it looks. I don't know how heavy it looks, but it's heavier than that. And this is a medieval sword. So this would have been used in battle against people who had armor, thick armor. Notice the end of the sword. It's, first of all, it's sharpened on both sides and the end is a point. See that? Yep. So because it's sharpened on both sides to a point, that end was for piercing, piercing armor. And so you would shove this through real hard through the armor. And notice this uh, leather here above the hilt, which is interesting. Now this is a two-handed sword. It's got a very long handle, so you can vary how your hold is. But in case your enemy gets real close, because this is a very long blade, right? So if your enemy gets too close, you could quickly grab this part and shorten the distance between you and the enemy. It gives you a little more maneuverability when they're in close. This, you don't want to get hit with this guy, that's for sure. And remember, children, what's the rule about the swords? Don't touch them. Don't touch them. Okay. Well, they haven't even seen these because I've kept them in storage pretty much since they were born. And so they're very, very intrigued by this, too. They're seeing me in a whole new, possibly slightly scarier light. Um, I have promised that uh, when Kaylee brings the first boy home who wants to court her, I will be sharpening this right, right outside the front door. That is the plan. I mean, I've always heard of like father saying, I, I was cleaning my gun when they came over and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, but everybody knows you're not gonna shoot them. Anybody crazy enough to be sharpening a sword might be crazy enough to stab a brother. So you better be careful with the dad sharpening the sword. All right. So different weapons for different purposes, depending on the situation that's going on. That's what we see here. Paul gives us a metaphor of the sword of the spirit for our weapon in prayer, in spiritual warfare. And just to recap real quickly, there are two primary forms of spiritual warfare. We know these pretty well instinctually. Um, you all know James chapter verse seven. At the end of it, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Remember that verse? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, the word resist doesn't mean ignore. 
doesn't mean pretend the devil's not there and choose to have faith and just let him leave. Resist, the word resist means to stand against in battle, to stand against in battle. So it's, a, it's an active thing, it's not a defensive thing. It means to attack. It means the enemy's coming at you, so you resist them actively, preferably with a weapon, because it's hard to resist an enemy if you don't have a weapon. So that's James 4, 7, and that's one aspect of spiritual warfare is the enemy coming against you, and your response is battle. And the other primary example is uh, Ezekiel 22:30. I sought for a man who would stand in the breach or stand in the gap, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The breach was the area on a battlefield in between the two armies. And sometimes what would happen is you'd have one army line up over here and you'd have one army line up over here. And then somebody on a horse with a flag would ride through from the other side through the middle, maybe another country or another party who's involved who says, okay, okay, hang on, before we kill each other, why don't we have a talk? And then usually somebody with both sides would come and they would talk. And so God's saying, I'm looking for somebody to run into the middle before that battle starts and try to put a stop to it. That's what intercession is. We come in between uh, a group, a person or a group of people and we face down either an enemy army of some kind or perhaps God. Perhaps they are against God and so God's wrath might be on them and so we step in the way to intercede. And so the word for intercession in Hebrew is paga, and that means to meet with in both senses, to meet with like a lawyer meets with a judge to try to convince the judge to have mercy. That kind of paga is intercession to meet with. The Bible says that Jesus is at the Father's side making intercession for us all the time. Remember that, Hebrews? And so that's paga. Jesus is making intercession for us. He's entreating the Lord on our behalf. So Jesus jumps in the way of us and God. I know they, they mess up a lot, but have mercy on them anyway. Pray for them anyway. And uh, the other kind is to meet with, again, in battle. So intercession also means to meet with in battle. So it might mean we jump in front of somebody else or a group of people who are facing a wave of spiritual darkness of some kind or some sort of trial or giant or enemy. And intercession means we meet with that opposition in battle. And again, if you're going to meet an enemy in battle, you want to have a sword. You want to have a weapon. It's not smart to go into battle without one. And so those are the two meanings of intercession. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you, but that's active. That's battle. That's resist. And also to meet with in battle, to face an enemy. Again, both have to do with battle. So if there's an attack happening either against us or someone we care about, the response is battle. That's why they call this kind of prayer spiritual warfare because we have to fight. This isn't something that positive thinking or good intentions is gonna fix for us, okay? If you're on a battlefield and an enemy is coming at you or coming at your loved one, you can't say, but I don't believe in warfare, that's not gonna stop the enemy, right? You need to pick up a shield, you need to pick up a sword, you need to get to work. Now, some people don't like the metaphor Paul uses here because, well, it is awfully bloody, right? The metaphor is very violent, but the, again, the number one important thing to remember about spiritual warfare is that this is not against flesh and blood. We're not talking about battling people. 
okay? This is not rated R for brutal medieval warfare. This is spiritual. We're talking about spiritual warfare. And so this is something that pacifists and soldiers alike can enter into because we're talking about the spirit here. We're not talking about physical warfare, but the metaphor is a good one. And Paul explained it in this way um, so that his readers could understand what it was that he was talking about. And that, that verse, by the way, 2 Corinthians 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, amen, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Do you hear all the active words in there? We destroy arguments. We destroy strongholds. And so he's not just saying fight. He's not just saying stand up and fight. He's saying, no, 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 we destroy them. That means to wipe out utterly. So spiritual warfare doesn't end until whatever it is that we're facing against ourselves or against someone else is wiped out utterly, destroyed, completely destroyed. And it is the power of God that destroys those things, right? Not our power. But God invites us to join into prayer, and he gives us spiritual authority in these things so that in that sense, it does depend on us. It does depend on our cooperation. God's the one who does the work, but we are his co-workers, and we've talked about that week after week, right? So a lot of active verbs here. We take captive every thought in obedience to Christ. And the most important weapon we have then in this spiritual battle is the sword of the spirit. And Paul gives us a great metaphor of that in Ephesians 6 when he's talking about the armor of God. I'm going to grab another sword. There's always one more sword. I don't know what that means. Uh, so this is the kind of sword Paul would have been talking about specifically. This is a Roman sword. It's called a gladius, as in gladiator. This is a very cheap one. I'd like a nice one someday. Uh, Sarah, how's our sword budget? Uh, so this is a Roman gladius. And I don't know if you saw on the hilt there, it said SPQR. That's Senatus Populolus Quam Romani, which Romanus, actually, which is the Senate and the people of Rome. You see that SPQR all over Rome if you go there. They still put that on everything, like manhole covers. <laughs> Say SPQR as if they had that exact manhole back in the Roman days. They did not. So this is a Roman sword, a gladius. This is the kind of sword Paul would have been talking about in Ephesians, when he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This sword is a little bit shorter, you'll notice, probably. I'm gonna compare it here to that ordination sword. So I'm gonna put them off to the side. So you see it's quite a bit shorter, almost a foot shorter. It's very pointy at the end, Andrew. You're correct. So this sword was also meant for piercing, sort of like a broadsword would be, but it's much shorter. So you would have to get in a bit closer, right? Where it's a little messier. But it was also for piercing through armor and it was short enough and light enough that they could also use it quickly, allows them to march farther, that sort of thing. So the Roman sword was a little bit on the smaller side. 
the Roman shield was massive. We're not talking about the shield today, but if you want to know, the shield of faith goes up to about here from the floor. Four feet. The shields, Roman shields, are four feet tall and two and a half feet wide. So they cover more than a person, and they cover you up to about here, so that if you kneel, you're completely covered behind the sword. That being something, hint, hint, if you kneel, you're completely covered by the shield. So this, though, we're talking about today, the sword of the spirit. And I'm going to read, uh, this is Ephesians 6. You've all read this probably many times. Just going to read the last bit. Uh, verse 18. And take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplications. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So he's saying, use the sword of the spirit in all types of prayer that we're praying. I don't think he's just talking about intercession here because he says all prayers, all supplications. He also says, make supplication for all the saints. Supplication is the kind of prayer where like um, advocating before a judge, like Jesus does for us. That's supplication, asking God for things, asking him for his mercy, his grace. Um, but it also talks about the warfare kind of prayer as well. So take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now you've, you've heard me teach on this before, but I'll just do a quick recap. So in Greek there are, and Hebrew actually, there are two different terms that are translated in English as word. One of them is logos. Logos in the Bible primarily refers to this, the written word of God, the Bible, okay, the logos. In John, it's also uh, personified as Jesus himself is the word. Jesus was God's word, Bible word to mankind. Um, and so the Bible, the written word is logos. And pneuma, or in Hebrew, rhema, refers to the now word of God, the current word of God, as in the word, the word picture in uh, Exodus 8 is the words that are falling, are falling, present test, from the lips of God, right now. So the words that are falling right now from God's lips. In other words, the Logos word of God is a truth of God that was stated emphatically a long time ago in the Bible, but is still true today. The Rhema word of God is something he's saying to you right now. See the difference? Yes. Yeah. Which one do you think is used here? I, I, I hear both answers. I'm going to give the right answer to my son, which is Rhema. That's right. Numa, Rhema. Paul is not saying to pray effectively and use a weapon in spiritual warfare, you should quote the Bible. That is not what he's saying. Just let that sink in for a second. Don't be mad at me. I'm glad I'm virtual in case of stoning. <laughs> so it doesn't say logos. So it doesn't say you use primarily this. This is not your sword. Now, I grew up saying this is your sword. Grab your sword. Grab your word. That's not what it says. That's not the term it uses. It uses the term pneuma, rhema, which means the now word of God. Now, the rhema word of God includes the Bible, right? The rhema word of God just means this is what God is saying to you right now. And we've talked about this before. But one of the primary ways God does communicate to us is through the word. 
this word, the Logos word, right? And so God, very often in prayer, might remind you of Bible verses to pray. So you're praying the word, the now word of God, by praying the word, Logos word of God. So that does happen. So I'm not saying this is not your weapon. I'm just saying when God talks about the sword of the spirit, it's more than just this. He's talking about his current word, what he is saying to you now. In other words, in other words, when you are praying for someone or yourself and you're engaged in spiritual warfare, you need this. You need a word from the Lord in prayer. So you ask him for one. You just ask. You say, Lord, direct me in how to pray for this person or how to pray for this situation for myself or for my family. Lord, direct me in how to pray. How should I pray about this? And as you pray, the Lord reveals to you how you should pray. He speaks to you. Words are falling from his lips right now. And that is the sword of the spirit. Whatever God tells you to pray for at that moment, that is the sword he is giving you right now. Now, there's a lot of different swords here. As you can see, they might be used in different situations. There's specific weapons. The sword of the spirit is a specific weapon. God will give you a specific word to pray through or to pray over someone, for example. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the sword of the spirit, God giving us a specific weapon. And that could happen in a number of different ways. He might uh, remind us of the Bible verse. And there are certainly a lot of sort of generic spiritual warfare Bible verses, which are all good. I'm not saying those are not good, okay? Hear me now. This is part of the sword of the spirit. It's just not it in its entirety. And so flipping open to a Bible passage that you think is cool and praying that, it's not wrong, it's just not effective. If you wanna be effective in prayer, you're gonna use your weapon. And if you wanna be more effective in prayer, you're gonna learn how to use this weapon well. I do not know how to use this weapon well. And so I wouldn't actually do very well in a fight. I have long arms and probably a height advantage on many. I'm pretty strong. But if the person had any skill whatsoever, I'd be in trouble, okay? Because they'd land more blows because they know what they're doing with their weapon. Yeah. And we need to be that way in prayer. We need to know what we're doing. We need to know how to use our weapon, which is the word of God, what God says to us about the situation. For example, this has happened to me a lot where I'll be praying about somebody and I'll pray and I'll just, I'm just praying things that are coming to my mind or things that I know about the person or generic good things from scripture maybe. I'm praying for that person, and after I pray something, let's say I pray, and Lord, if there's anything they need to forgive, I pray that you would help them to forgive people, and maybe I go on to the next thing, but right there, the Holy Spirit goes, hey, 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 ding, ding, ding. It sometimes feels like a ding inside me. I'll pray something, and the Holy Spirit will be like, that's it. That, that's the thing. And I'll be like, okay, but I just pray forgiveness. Okay, forgiveness, Lord, is that something this person needs to forgive? And then the Spirit will be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? And so that is my sword of the spirit now. The word that God just spoke to me about this situation that I'm praying for right now. God gave me a word. He gave me a weapon. And so now I pray things aimed specifically at forgiveness issues. Okay? That's, that's an actual story that happened in regards to forgiveness, it's happened in regards to other things. Sometimes you'll pray something and then God will put his finger on that and say, that's it. Sometimes God will just speak the word to you while you're praying or whatever. And he might say, hey, pray for this person about this. 
And so that's your sort of the spirit. Sometimes God will bring to mind somebody that maybe you don't normally think about. Why do I, this is like the third time a day today, third time today that I thought about this person. Why, why am I thinking about this person? Well, I have come to learn that that is often the Holy Spirit. That's the sword of the spirit. That's God saying, pray for this person that you wouldn't have normally prayed for or thought about today. But I need you to pray for them, Nate. Okay. So I've tried to learn uh, over the years that if I think about somebody that I don't normally think about, I sort of assume I'm supposed to pray for them. <laughs> and I think, well, even if it was just my brain, praying for them is not going to be a bad thing and it's not going to hamper their day in any way. So I will pray for them anyway. But sometimes it's, it's specific and God is calling me to pray for them. So the specificity of the sword of the spirit is important. And sometimes we start out praying just good things, scriptures. But as we continue to pray, we ask God for a word, and then we pray in that way. And that might be a different word each time that you pray. It might be the same. It could be that you pray for, you know, a couple of weeks for a situation or a person, and you don't really hear anything yet, but then you finally do. That's not uncommon either. And that thing you hear could be scripture, like we talked about before, because God obviously continues to speak through his word. And he loves to do that. It's probably the primary way that God does communicate to us is through his word. So he might bring you to a verse. He might bring you to a story. He might bring you to a person. He might just be like Joshua. This is a Joshua situation. And you're like, great. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. What does that mean? And so probably a good idea to go read Joshua. Sometimes God makes us hunt for it a little bit. He makes us search for it a little bit. He, we're not just we're not always just soldiers on the line. Sometimes we're scouts and we have to go search something out. The Bible in Proverbs says it's the glory of God to conceal things and the glory of kings to search them out. So sometimes that's what God expects of us. And so he might just say, Joshua. And we say, okay, and we go back and read the story of Joshua. God, what about Joshua? Am I supposed to pray about my son, my friend, whatever it is? And then maybe you see the part where he's walking around Jericho seven times and God's like, ding, 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 that's it. You're like, okay, that's it. What does that mean? Maybe it means persistence in prayer. Keep praying. Joshua went out every single day to pray, even though he saw no results. He kept going out. He kept being faithful to go out and obey God, even when he saw nothing happening. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. So you do that. So that's your sort of the spirit then. Whatever the word is that God is giving you, that is your weapon. That is how you are going to not just fight, but destroy strongholds and destroy things that come against the Lord or come against your loved ones or your family or whatever the case may be. Any questions? Thoughts? I see a hand somewhere. Nate, this is so great. Thank you so much for it. Um, I was thinking about the rhema. This never, I've never been taught that. That's really good, that it's the rhema word. And I was thinking how, like, preparing for battle, I'm, I don't know, I'm not familiar, but they probably do a lot of push-ups and practices, you know? And, like, for prayer for people, sometimes, like, um, I just think preparation is just to read the word a lot. Of, and I'm stirred right now to do that because sometimes I pray for a rhema word, but I can't. I'm not in the word that much. And so then in that moment, it's hard to think of that scripture. So I think for us Christians, our preparation is to read the word and memorize it. So then we get into those moments, we can have those things come to our mind really easily. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it, it, one thing is clear from this message is 
in order to effectively use the sword of the spirit, we need to get better at hearing the voice of God, right? Yes. If we're better at hearing the voice of God, we're going to be a lot more effective with this. And so we grow in our ability to use this weapon, our ability to be effective in prayer grows as our ability to recognize the voice of God and follow his voice goes. And so the two, I'd say the two primary ways we get better at hearing God's voice is we shut up sometimes and listen, because sometimes we just can't hear him because he's talking, but we're too loud. So we need to take time to listen and also read the word because this is the primary way that he tends to communicate with people. And he's really smart, by the way, the Holy Spirit. You know, he wrote this, so he knows it really well. And he knows how to apply it to your situation, whatever that situation might be. And so he, he can remind you of something you're, that even if that the story or the Bible passage isn't exactly your situation, he can be like, no, but you see how this is also true for you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. You know, or this is also true for the situation you're praying for, whatever supplication or intercession you're making. But learning to hear the voice of God well is a big, is a big part of this. And I would say that using your sword of the spirit in prayer intercession is actually a great way to learn, to practice how to hear the voice of God better. Because as we pray, so we might hear something or we might think, is that God? Is this God? And we're not really sure. So we just try it out. And oftentimes, I mean, always actually in prayer, it's a safe place to try something out, right? We're not running out on the street with our sword, practicing with it, hoping we don't kill anybody else. We're, we're praying either by ourselves or with some other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it's a safe place to try things out. And so if you're like, I feel like maybe the Lord is talking, is saying this is a Joshua situation, like he marched around the wall seven times, he's going to keep going. Um, or Elijah, our, our example from a couple of weeks ago, Elijah went out to pray for rain. He sent his servant, is it raining? Nope, comes back, prays again. Send him out, nope, comes back, prays again. Over, over, over again, seven times actually, in that case as well. So maybe you just feel like you're supposed to do that. I feel like we need to pray every single day for seven whole days about this situation. So just try that out, do that, go with it and say, God, is this you? Is it not? Well, praying for a few minutes for seven days in a row isn't scary. It's not risky. You won't lose anything if you do it. So give it a shot. It's a great way to practice how to hear the voice of God. And do you feel the spirit in that as you do it? Or are you like, no, I don't actually think this is God, but that's okay. Let's find another word then. Let's find what the Lord is saying. And so praying, using your sword of the spirit, in my opinion anyway, is a really great way to practice how to hear the voice of God. And it's, it's really, it's, it's essential for spiritual warfare. It's essential for prayer. If you want to resist the devil and make him flee from you, whether that's because he's brought some sort of giant in your life or some sort of calamity, or he is, you know, threatening you, tormenting you, tempting you towards sin or pride or whatever the case may be. If you feel plagued by darkness of some kind, you want him to flee from you, you need to use this. You have to resist him, the Bible says. You have to stand against him in battle. It's really hard to defeat an enemy in battle if you don't have a weapon, if you don't have a sword to use. And so we ask the Lord, okay, Lord, you said that you've given me the sword of the spirit. See that in the verse? Ephesians 6, take up the sword of the spirit. So he's already given it to us. 
We have the sword of the spirit. Every, every believer has this ability, this power. We all have it, but it says, take up the sword. Like we have to actively do this. And that's a metaphor, but what he means is you have to take on this prayer stance. It doesn't just happen. This is not a passive thing, is what I'm trying to say. This is not a passive thing. Take up the sword of the spirit. That means pick it up and use it. If we want to experience power in prayer, if we want to experience uh, success, if we want to destroy the works of the devil, destroy the darkness in our lives and other people's lives, we need to take up the sword. And we need to learn how to use it as best we can. And then we ask God, Lord, help us, lead us, give us, give me a word, give me whatever I need to be able to wield the sword of the spirit well. So learning to hear the voice of God is paramount here. It's really, really important. Can I add something, Yeah, somebody else, a little louder. Along with what you're saying, uh, you know, God gives us, as you're saying, ask the Lord for a word. Well, the Lord sometimes gives us, I think you alluded to this, pictures, pictures, like you said, Joshua, what, what does that represent? Or uh, in the natural, let's say, uh, a vision or a dream. And so what does that, what, what you dreamt about? What were you thinking about the night before? Uh, this just happened to me yesterday with a friend who called and I was asking me, oh, she said, I had this vision, what do you think? And I said, well, I'll pray about it, call you back. Or we were texting, actually. <laughs> and then I just remembered another friend of mine who just praises the Lord a lot. And she said, you know, remember, the practical often comes first and then the spiritual. I, you know, we are here on this earth. We live and uh, move in, in very practical ways. <laughs> and and so, so God can speak to us very clearly that way. I've, I've, I have found that personally. And I just thank the Lord yesterday that he just, um, I, I at first my, my reaction was, okay, yeah, I can do this. Well, let me see. Like, Lord, no. And I had to just pray, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, pray in the spirit. And then it can come easily. Oh, my goodness, why didn't I see this before? And God, you know, he wants to show us, and he wants us to help each other. So praise the Lord. Amen. Nayat, could I add uh, something as well? I have found that praying with other people really strengthens me in learning how to pray. It often happens that I, oh, yes, they said that just right, or that's, that's true. That's what I need to be praying for. Now, you, as you know, I have several groups of people that I pray with, and I'm so thankful for their experience and how they can teach me how to pray. That's right, and that's, that's a really good example, Paul. Sometimes we may have difficulty um, receiving or hearing a word from God. So it's harder to use our sword. I don't know what to pray in this situation. In those situations, I recommend asking a couple of people to pray with you. Have a, have a little prayer meeting um, or just have a couple other people praying on your behalf. One of them might get the word. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Bible, when it talks about prayer, Jesus says things like, when two or three are gathered together, 
I am there in the midst of you. And anything you ask in my name, I will do it when you gather together. So there is something more powerful sometimes about gathering together. So those of you who are in the house right now here with me, or those of you who are in the basement there at the Andersons, um, you can pray together about something. And even if one of you maybe doesn't hear a word from God, someone else might. And that's your sword. That's kind of, that's everybody's sword now. <laughs> that's everybody's sword of the spirit because someone in the group got a word. And so then you can fight more effectively. And I think that's one of the reasons why praying together with other people is so effective is that other people might, different people hear different pieces of something. And together, God forms a strategy of warfare then, that you can fight together. Because one-man armies are a comic book thing. They're not real. With the only exception of Samson, which was a very specific situation, armies are multiple people, right? Even little platoons, little squadrons for little missions, it's still multiple people. It's not one person. And so oftentimes, in order to fight effectively, we do need multiple people. And if it's a long-term situation, you might need a little army to get together, to pray together about a situation. But the more specifically you can pray, the more effective you will be at using your sword. Just like if I just, every time I was going to fight my enemy, I like did this. <laughs> it wouldn't be that hard for my enemy to block or dodge every single one, right? So we want to learn to use our swords effectively. And sometimes we do one of these, right? I mean, we fight differently. God gives us strategy. And that's what, to me, it means to learn how to use the sword of the spirit better so that we can attack that enemy with this one here. And that's different from that other enemy. And that's true in the spirit. Every situation is different. We, we use the same weapon, but we use it differently. Or we may need a different kind of sword for a different kind of enemy. This one has tougher armor. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upgrade to this broadsword, and I'm going to use this. Or maybe this has to do with the word that you're hearing from God. Like this, I told you, this is a um, sentimental sword for me. It means something about my life, my history, my ordination. And so maybe that's what it is that you need to pray for. Maybe you need to pray about something happened in that person's life. And you're like, okay, God, okay, I'm going to use that sword. Pray about this person's life, something that might have happened in their past. Pray for forgiveness. Pray for healing. Pray against any strongholds that might have been built up in defense of whatever it is they experienced. Maybe it was a trauma. Maybe it was something bad. And you keep praying along those lines of what it is that God wants to do in their life based on the sword of the spirit, based on the word that you got from the Lord. So I could give a lot of examples of using the sword of the spirit and receiving a word from the Lord in prayer and praying about that. I would rather hear if some of you have some examples. Anybody there on Zoom, maybe you can chime in and say something or something, somebody in the room. Um, give me an example of a time you were praying either for yourself or somebody else, some sort of spiritual warfare, intercession kind of prayer, and the Lord led you specifically how to pray. Nate, um, I yes. have the microphone. Laura, hi. hi there, how are you? Um, <laughs> a couple things came to my mind when you were, when you were talking about strategies, and um, one of them was um, 
it's interesting when you have more, you don't have the one-man army, so to speak, and there are different swords that may be used um, within the group. You might have the one, the coronation or whatever, but then Kathy may draw up the Roman sword right. or... So, so that came. And Karen to me. will always have the Japanese sword. Yes, yes, the samurai or samurai, whatever sword. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a piece that I thought was interesting. And oftentimes, when I pray with others, it's and even when I um, teach, kids will say things that, for lack of a better word, it's not even on my radar. It's like, wow, you came up with that? You know, especially in my wars class. I have this little boy, Nolan, and he'll say something, and I'm like, gosh, I never even thought about that. You know, didn't even occur to me. And this little boy is thinking through enemy territory here. He's thinking it through. And then the other piece I thought was interesting is how and oftentimes in movies where you'll have a group of people and they kind of circle, they're in a circle, and then they have their swords drawn so that the enemy cannot come in back and pierce the back and kill the person because the swords are out in front and you're in a circle so i thought that was an interesting piece too it is any thoughts okay well i could go whole history nerd on you now but um that that was a style of battle that was introduced by the roman legion which was the roman legion was probably the greatest military force the world has ever seen especially for the era and one of the ways that they would fight is they would do uh, circles or cubes. Napoleon, much, much later, um, used the same exact method. He'd use a cube where people are facing out from all four directions. And then there's someone within that cube then on the inside that's also pointing out in each direction. And so they could turn and maneuver that cube in two-dimensional space, but acting as if it's almost three-dimensional space. And the enemy, no matter which side they came in at, uh, faced guns. And yeah. it was so successful, Napoleon took over, you know, most of Europe in a relatively short period of time. Okay, I'll stop the history part there. Um, so yes, praying together is really important. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in any way trying to say, don't do this on your own. I think we should all do this on our own. I think we should be doing it every day, at least a little bit, maybe on your way to work, on your way back from work, something like that. Because we're supposed to be praying for one another, right? Yeah. We're supposed to be praying for and reaching out to the people God has placed in our life, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our, our coworkers, all these folks. And praying for them is one of the best ways that we can bless them. And one of the best ways where God can show us what to do. Maybe it's time to reach out to them or bring them a gift or, or something like that. Um, or maybe they need to talk and you can be the one to talk to them. And as we're praying for those people then, God can give us something specific to pray or specific to do. So it's good to do that by ourselves. But it's also good and sometimes even more effective to pray as a family, as a couple, or as a small group, or as a church about specific things. And it's true, there, there's no such thing as a one-man army, but sometimes you're only facing one or two enemies. So you might be, it might be totally fine for you to take that on by yourself. 
because you plus Jesus is a pretty big army. Amen? Because he's the one fighting for you. He's the one empowering your sword. It's, it's not really just a sword anymore. It's like a, more like a lightsaber. Go grab your lightsaber. It's, it's far more powerful than if we were to actually fight at any given time. But, that, but sometimes you're not fighting one or two enemies. You're fighting a whole platoon or a giant or a tank, whatever metaphor you want to use there. And those are the times, and you'll probably feel it in, in the spirit. You might feel like this is a little big for me. This feels a little much. And that's when it's time to call in the other troops. Yeah. Tim, did I hear you? Yeah, I just Ruth had, has been waiting patiently to... Oh, there's the lightsaber. <laughs> Ruth has been waiting patiently. Another kind of wet of salvation. She, she, like, she hates interrupting people, so... Ruth, please. Sorry to, okay, everybody's got really good thoughts and this is really clarifying and really helpful. Um, Back when you were talking about getting better at hearing his voice, Mm -hmm. so like that's when we're in the middle of prayer, it's it's such a restful thing to think that when we are beginning to pray that he'll drop his thoughts so we can just, like you don't have to figure it out, he'll just, I love how you describe that. But I also... Uh, two things came to mind. Let's see if I can remember them now. Um, so we sang about being surrendered this morning. And Psalm 25.9 says, the meek he will guide in judgment. The meek he will show his way. So like a, having a lifestyle of surrender can help us be surrendered while we're in prayer. And so I believe that's a key to hearing the voice of God is being surrendered to do what he wants before he says it. And that's yeah. kind of like goes along with the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. Like, yes. okay, yes, Lord, you're Lord, I'll do it. Like, anyway, that surrender. And then also, um, okay, it was right <coughs> there. Um, oh, yeah. So be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So to get better at hearing his voice, we got to keep ourselves in the fear of the Lord to keep seeking to obey the word as he's showing it to us. Um, Sharpens our hearing instead of dulls it. Sure, yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk more about how to hear the voice of God probably right after Easter. Um, But yes... um, being uh, humility is always step one, right? As we've taught with just about everything. So as you're humble to hear God's word and says, Lord, give, give me a command. And again, spiritual warfare, we're in, we're in servant mode. We're in soldier mode, right? So he's Lord, he's commander. We are the soldier in this case. And so we need an order. That's, that's all we need. And that implies that we are willing to obey the order, right? Um, it doesn't do any good to say, God, give me an order. And if I like it, I will see. Um, if you come in with the attitude of, Lord, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Right, that's not how orders work. And so we receive the order, we do it. But you're right, getting better at hearing the voice of the Lord helps us get better at this. So, And we'll, we'll talk about that um, in a couple months more, do a, a recap on how to better hear the voice of God. But I think that praying, intercessory prayer, is a great way to practice. It's a great way to practice how to hear the Lord. Because maybe we think we hear something, so we pray that, 
And then we can ask ourselves, okay, was that God? God, was that you? It kind of felt right. It felt, I, had, I felt a, an agreement in my spirit with what I was praying with my mouth or with my mind. And then, okay, so that was God. And as we learn how to hear God's voice better, we get better at it. Just like any other kind of practice, any other kind of skill. All of us as Christians have the ability to learn to hear God's voice. Jesus said, I'm the shepherd, you're the sheep. My sheep hear my voice. So we are God's sheep. We can hear his voice. It's not a some people thing. It's an every single person thing. But it takes time. It takes time in the presence of the shepherd for a sheep to learn how to hear his voice, how to recognize his voice versus other voices. And the same can be true for us. We can learn to understand how God communicates. And he communicates to different people in different ways. Some people primarily see pictures like Karen was sharing. And so, you know, you can think of that as a, as a battle map. You're praying and you're saying, Lord, I need a word. And he gives you a picture. And that's like a map of where to attack or what to do. Um, so the way in which God speaks to you is the most often is probably how he's going to speak to you most often in prayer. And that might be through the word. There's a number of different ways. And so the better we get at that, the better we're going to get at prayer. But there are some times when we're fighting a bigger force or a stronger enemy and we want to bring other people in. It's always easier to face the enemy with a small army than it is by yourself, right? So again, it depends on the situation. We have another contestant who would like to... Yes, please, step on up. Um, hey, Nate. Um, it's Kathy. Hey, Kathy. So... When I was a new believer, one of the girls on my team, you know, led me to the Lord in a hotel room in San Francisco at a tournament, you know, and the Holy Spirit just fell on me like crazy. And I, you know, but I didn't really understand anything about the spiritual realm or anything. So I asked her one day, what, how, do, how do I, you know, hear the voice of God and everything? And she just kind of led me and just, you know, you just kind of sense the right thing. And you, just, you know, so over the years, I've learned more and more, but um, just, you know, God is so amazing at how he speaks to you, you know, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that Rama in my life. And especially because my life has been so confusing at times. And, um, you know, I'm married to uh, guys from a really different culture and my goodness, all the trials and tribulations with that. And then I've got nine kids and all their different crazy personalities and, there's such, you know, I've got lions in my family and I got lambs, you know, and, and just the confusion that can come with all the offense involved with that and their personalities. And so God's just really given me so much, you know, Rama into their lives and into their, their personalities and their callings. And that has eliminated a lot of the confusion when they fight and, you know, so it's, it's been such a blessing to hear what you're saying. Just that, you know, that Rama of what God is doing in our country and our, my family and just everybody's different callings. And, you know, that's helped me a lot to deal with all the confusion. That's cool. Yeah, good. That's good. Anybody else have any thoughts you want to share? Or examples, maybe? Anybody on Zoom want to chime in? Nate, I have a joke. <laughs> okay, Steve. Okay. Do you care if I tell a joke? No. I like you. Okay. This, this mom had just baked some cookies, 
and uh, taking them out of the oven and uh, they're on a plate and her two little boys are elbowing each other trying to grab the first cookie. And she holds the plate up over their heads and goes, now boys, you know, Jesus wouldn't do that. He would want his brother to go first. And the older brother kind of looked down. He goes, oh, he goes, uh, go, you be Jesus. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yes. Uh, anybody else? Something to share? Otherwise, we can close if there are personal things people want to share. Going once, going twice. Okay, let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you don't leave us defenseless. You don't leave us powerless. You didn't leave us alone. That you sent your spirit when you went back to the Father. You sent your spirit to all of us and taught us how we can fight with you. So Lord, I pray that you would teach all of us better how to fight with you, how to resist the devil when darkness or some sort of opposition comes against us. Teach us how to stand against that in battle using your word, the sword of the spirit, and teach us how to take a stand on behalf of other people, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our church. Teach us how to do that better, again, by listening and getting, hearing a word from you to use as our sword of the spirit. What an amazing church we would have. Imagine if all of us were praying for each other regularly and doing battle for each other regularly. If our church family did that, imagine what the results might be if you had an extra 30, 40 people praying for you every week. Maybe that's something we can try to move towards. Move towards praying for each other, taking a stand for each other more often, more intentionally. Lord, help us to be led by you, to, to humble ourselves enough to give the time up during our day and during our week to listen to you and to pray for other people. Pray that you would Show us the times and the places to do that and how to do that. So we just humble ourselves and we put ourselves in your hands. Pray that you would teach us how to get better at using these weapons, these gifts that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.